Welcome back to the Escape Road Podcast. My name is Fung. And I'm Ron. This week, we have Yama Akbar. Mr. Koi himself. He's actually one of, I think, of four people who are the uh, sort of co-founders of Mr. Koya. I'm going to say one of the essence. One of the essence of Mr. Koya. Uh, Mr. Koya is a shirt company. I think he would probably describe it better than myself, but uh, to me, it's a, it's a shirt company. And they sort of gained um, a lot of popularity over the last, say, three months because of a very, very special shirt called the Mahalo ScoMo shirt. And essentially that shirt created a bit of a viral sensation and it's it's almost parodying the whole Scott Morrison going holidays during the Australian bushfire season. And what they were doing as well is donating all profits towards the bushfire relief. And how much was that profit? Um, last time I checked it was about 35,000. Good Lord. And how do you know, uh, how do you know Yemma? So he uh, went to my school. He was a couple of years below me. And uh, yeah, we partied back in the day and we still still do. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Okay, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, this week's episode. And uh, without further ado, please enjoy. I guess, you know, everyone goes through high school and life generally trying to figure out what they want to do the most. And there's plenty of different motivations, right? Um, For a lot of people, it comes down to money, which isn't a bad thing at all. Money's not evil. It comes down to what you do with it, right? At the same time, you know, some people want to really focus on social good and, you know, release their outlet that way. Yeah. Some people go into creative areas. It's, I mean, there's a bit of an evolution around that, I'd say. Where going through uni, I did a, well, I actually started with degree in law and finance, but after about six months and falling asleep in one too many Thursday morning law lectures. Uh, tell me about it. I kind of just came to the conclusion that maybe it wasn't for me after that first semester and I switched to economics. But even from there, starting out, working in funds management and everything, you know, it's one of those things where you think you know exactly what you want to do until you start to do it. And for me, starting to work in funds management for a, a very early stage company in the ethical space, I kind of realized that, you know, I didn't want to be looking at spreadsheets or really diving into stocks as much as I thought I would. And I actually preferred the side of actually creating a business. And for me, marketing goes hand in hand with that as a focus area where it's like, you need to sell the idea. So I I think I I sort of came to a point early on where if I want to make the most impact in the world, I need to be able to create things from the ground up and ultimately make them interesting to people, make them engaging, tell a story and, you know, do your best inspire. So it seems like one one part of it is the creativity side of you. You want to be creative. You want to create something that, that you can sort of bring out to the world. And it also seems like there's another part where's the the ethics part. Does that, how, how big of that, of the ethics, does that sort of come into, you know, your goals? I think it's critical. And I'll say that from a selfish perspective. At the end of the day, you know, when you're going to work day in, day out, you want to do something you care about, something you're passionate about. And I think for a lot of people, it's easy to look at the world and get frustrated or, you know, emotionally charged about certain things. But I think it's pretty valuable when you can 
channel that energy into doing something good as much as possible. And it's really hard to, right? But, you know, things like capitalism, things like business growth, in a lot of ways, they can go hand in hand with your ethics. And I think when you do that, you get to this sort of level, or you always strive to get this level where you just feel empowered by what you're doing. And I love how you say that, uh, because I have this firm belief that business is not just about making money. Business is really about solving problems around the world and bringing value to people. So the way you, way you said it actually really resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to. It's connection at the end of the day. I mean, you know, depending how far back you want to go, you look at trade around the world, right? Over the last, I mean, how far back in history do you want to go? But the more connection we've had, the more we've been able to trade with each other from different countries, from thousands and thousands of miles away from each other. You, there, there's a lot of people saying uh, that uh, a lot of things are bad these days. Like, like for example, like some of the, some of the, say for example, the, the, the coronavirus, right? Everyone's like focusing on that, but they don't actually see the bigger picture, how connected everybody is through the medium such as the internet, right? It allows us to do so much more, so much faster these days. And I think the way your company, um, Mr. Koya, did it by, by employing a disaster and actually showing that good can be done out of this, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Well, uh, we, we, we hope that's what came out of it. I, I think for us, it's kind of like, you know, you look at the situation from the perspective of leadership, right? And you talk about ethics and it's a question of, you know, do ethics need to be top up down? By top down, do you mean like it has to be from a certain f uh, figure in society or? Right. So does it need to be Scott Morrison who displays the right <laughs> sort of behaviors at all the right times, you know? Does it need to be various leaders all around the world? Or at the end of the day, we kind of hope that moments like that show that people can actually come together and send a really strong message. And I mean, it was obviously great in terms of what we were able to, to sort of um, achieve. But at the same time, it's, it's what's happened on an ongoing basis after that, where you've got, you know, Celeste Barber raising 52 million. You've got celebrities all over the place raising money. You've got all sorts of communities coming together just again and again and again. And there's almost like this really valuable sort of competition yeah. around who can raise the most money. And that's, <laughs> that's awesome. You know, who like me the most value. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It also shows, um, you know, where, where the good in people come from, you know, when there's a, when there's a vacuum of, uh, you know, real, like, like a real figure who, who's there to support the people, you know, the people support each other. You know, we get, um, you know, the, the, the charity concert, I think on Sunday last week. Can I, can I just um, sort of add to that, right? Where, I mean, that's a great event. That's awesome. I think you had 70 or 80,000 people in the stadium showing their respect and having a good time, which I think you can do. I remember just the other day I was um, walking past this older lady who was wearing a shirt with the bushfire concert and I asked her, I said, oh, so how was the event? And she was like, yep, yeah, you know, it was bloody awesome. We drove from Melbourne to get here, 10 wow. hours. Wow. It was absolutely worth it. And then I just asked her in a sort of tug-in-cheek way, um, did they really give it to the PM? And she was like, oh, yeah, power to the people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool, you know. Like, obviously, she has very strong views around yeah. that, and that's, that's awesome. You know, she's passionate, she's ready to go. And that sort of emotion, I think, connecting with that and allowing people to connect together Mm. around that to do good it's not a bad thing at all it's like the the one fiery who really gave it to uh scotty you know back during the uh the real depths of the bushfires yeah i think there's a little story about how he 
might have or might not have gotten fired by the RFS. You know, on, on Twitter, there was, a, I think, a lot of support for, for him just because of his outspoken views, but also because I think he's also you know, speaking on behalf of a lot of people when the leader that everyone's looking up towards wasn't around. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's uh, got free beer for life, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Apparently people are just paying his tab up at the, Mate, that's the local amazing. pub that's amazing. where he's from, so and it just keeps going. <laughs> so that's amazing, yeah. He's going to be having fun for a long time. So, you know, during the, the depths of the bushfires when things just seemed like they weren't ever going to stop, how did, your, how did Mr. Coyer sort of come together to create something does it resonate with so many people? I guess the question is like, whose idea was it to yeah, come how, up with this the, brilliant shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there was a lot of pent up emotion, right? Leading up to that point where, you know, you've got this situation where the bushfires are happening all over the country. And then you have a situation where the PM is reportedly catching a chartered flight to Hawaii, right? And I think that moment really charged up a lot of people. It certainly guessing, did for us. I'm guessing Mr. Koya already wasn't a big fan of Scott Morrison before that whole situation? I think when you look at that situation, no matter which side of the political aisle you're on, it's one of those things where you're kind of scratching your head wondering, why now? Like, is this the the best time? Right time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we all want to go to Hawaii anytime, right? But it's a little bit different when you're prime minister and a lot of people are sort of looking in your direction. So everyone was kind of scratching their heads a little bit. Is that by everyone, do you mean like everyone in your team? I mean, most of the country. So from our perspective, it was about creating something that could be used to do good in this situation. And if we're going to have a little bit of a dig at the prime minister to do so, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? Yeah, it was, like, it was I, brilliant I in my view. Yeah, it like it, it was, the, you know, the comedy was there. I didn't think, you know, you guys were taking any sort of political stand, you know, in, in either direction. It was just kind of a bit of comedy. Yeah. And look, the prime minister, he's, I'm sure he's a, a good person deep down, right? But I think even if he looks back on that situation, he'll be scratching his head wondering, why did I do that? I'm not sure he'll um, board the same plane if he can do it all over again. I don't think at that so. Same time. I, would, no. I would really like to know what he's thinking right now. Because he's been pretty quiet on the news lately, right? Yeah. I haven't heard much about him. Well, I'm sure he's glad that the fires are mostly out now, I think. Yes. If not all of it. So that's a, that's a good thing. It's been positive. It's, it's been getting a little bit better, but I think the for for us it's about you know creating something that could support the situation and then from there also continuing to support yeah um so obviously it was amazing at the time i think the, the swell of support was just ridiculous and inspiring for us we we didn't think the response would be that big but i think everyone was kind of in that moment thinking and equally sort of perplexed in that way so it was pretty crazy. Even, you know, obviously a whole bunch of Australian press were all over it. We were getting calls from the UK as well. Um, yeah, you, you got in- interviewed by the Daily Mail too, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. So you so, had quite a few uh, articles. I actually got a quote from them. Like it's uh, the Daily Mail said, Mr. Akbar said, um, I hope I said your name right, by the way. Perfect. Yeah, said that the team was hoping that Mr. Morrison would buy a shirt and help the do- to donate to the cause. Has he? We're trying. We're doing still? Our best. Have you contacted him? We're doing anyway? our best. Yeah, we, we, you <laughs> know. I could send him a, send him a shirt. And, you know, we're trying to, look, we're thinking about it, right? Um, right. Trying to get his sizing and everything. You guys don't know his sizing, do you? <laughs> no? I wish probably, we probably an L, maybe an XL. Maybe. Maybe we need some of that augmented yeah. reality technology. That's, that's it. And just that's it. Guess it somehow. I mean, to be honest though, we had to stop selling after about four days. Yeah. Um, yeah. The crazy. demand was it's ridiculous. Crazy. By that point, we'd raised 35000 
like $891 in profits. And we just wanted to focus on making sure people would actually get their shirts at the same time. And all the traffic that went to our website, we were just redirecting to the RFS page directly. But at the same time, we've left the option open where, you know, if you still want to request the shirt, you can select to be notified if we release it again. And it goes to that point where, you know, from my perspective, it's about how do we continue to support if people still want something that they feel is really timeless and a a sort of classic encapsulation of the moment, then we want to provide that to them, but also see how we can continue to support. And it's a, it's a bit of a road to recovery, right? Um, See the the flip side around a lot of that exposure is from a tourism perspective. I think overseas, a lot of people kind of think, okay, summer in Australia, what does that mean? You know, am I going to be able to breathe properly when I'm in the country or is there going to be some issues and all of that? So it's, it's going to be really hard for the communities, I think, to recover. And that's, you know, putting aside the mental health aspects as well. How are a lot of these fires going to recover after the PTSD from even the communities and all those directly affected? Um, so from our perspective, it's about how can we keep continuing to support in that way? How's, how has the, the RFS responded to your donation? It's been great. Yeah. So they've been super happy with everything. And obviously, I think the fact that like they've become, I think the most honored people in society, oh, yeah. which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, for sure. I think there was a huge standing ovation to support them at that bushfire concert event. We, um, we got a message from a, a fiery who uh, was actually from the, the, the country of fire authority in Victoria saying how, you know, how happy he was with how the shirt went, how the support's been and everything. And just hoping he could get one because <laughs> this was well after the four days yeah. and everything. And, you know, in, in that sort of case, it's very easy for us to make an exception for sure. Oh, yeah, man. Like, definitely. Yeah. So the orders are all complete, right? Since then? Yes. Well, the first batch have gone through. Um, so you'll you see on socials and everything, it's all starting to happen. There's been a little bit of a delay around the other ones due to Chinese New Year extensions. Yeah. So these shirts, they're made with tensile, which is like a sustainable botanic fiber. So they come from Austria and then they're put together in a factory in Yiwu, China. So we have a, I think you've seen the factory page yeah. on our website, shows how it all sort of comes together. But with the extension of Chinese New Year, it means that there's still a bit of a backlog, which is a little bit delayed. Yeah. But everyone is going to get their shirt eventually. Yes. Sooner absolutely. or later. I think one thing that's sort of interesting is that the National Library of Australia. Yeah, that was a, that's a pretty big announcement. I mean, I, I don't really understand exactly. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit more about what, what that Neither actually means? I. <laughs> I, I mean, I try to look into it. I, I try to Google it. it. But, um, I mean, does that mean your shirt's going up to the museum? I mean, how does that, how does it work? I think it's, it's one of those things where everything they put together in the National Library is about capturing those moments in history with regard to elections or mm, That's like disasters. an exhibit sort of thing, is it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's. It's, uh, it's an exhibit around their ephemera collection, which is those materials, whether printed or mm-hmm. certain objects which re- reflect the time yeah. and what's occurred. That's pretty good. Yeah. So it's, they, they reached out to us um, and they wanted some of the collateral around the shirt. And I said, you know, we can actually, we should be able to get you one if you're able to sort of help promote it and get the word out around supporting the RFS and everything. And it's been amazing to have it there. I mean, does that mean it's kind of, locked in history now effectively and i think it's cool because it kind of shows 
like in this moment in history, it wasn't just a, a natural disaster, right? It also captures what people were thinking and how everyone came together at the same time. And I think that's really important to look back on these moments and, you know, not just take them as something that's occurred, but also understand, okay, what were people thinking at the time? Uh, how do you feel as one of the people who started Mr. Koya, who ended up creating this shirt that became such a sensation? I mean, Mr. Koya himself, right? Himself, uh, yeah. The man, the myth. Is it a man for sure? Don't know. Mystery. Mystery. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, it could be a mythical creature or something. It could be. You know, <laughs> it could be. It's like has, has anyone ever seen him, him <laughs> her? Has anyone ever seen him or her? Or is it just a... I've seen glimpses. Glimpses. Um, some people say they've seen sort of moments in dreams and everything oh, where they wow. seem to have been... Can, of, can we start a religion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually started in some corners of the world. I think there's a, a community in... And we, we do know Mr. Koya um, seems to be a, uh, a force for good. Which is a which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, like I think it's it's a bit of an essence as well, right? Where he's not necessarily one separate sort of thing, right? Like there's a bit of Mister Koya in everyone, in a way. I think that's important, and I think that's what the shirts really represent. Generally, you know, there's each and every shirt has its own character, its own story, its own personality, and I think it's not really about being sort of categorized in a box or, you know, defined by culture, society, whatever you want. It's kind of like just being exactly who you are. Just foregoing the black and white and thinking like in the gray area, just by case by case basis, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, how good do you feel when you're being your most authentic? You know, when you're being the most real and everything like that, like there's, there's nothing better. And I think that's what Mr. Koya represents. So after all of that, how, how would you like Mr. Koya to proceed in terms of, you know, meeting all those personal goals i mean from the perspective of continuing to support around the bushfires i think that's going to be really important and it's one of those things where you know it's not just about creating something and getting the attention and making a a difference at the time which has been great but it's about looking at the situation from a real perspective and thinking well is it really enough right now like how else can we look at this and sort of understand, okay, who's, who's missing out here? Um, whether that's, I think, was it a billion animals? I think a little bit more than a billion now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, right? Um, is it the mental health aspects, which are very often forgotten for all the people who've sort of been through this situation? But I think that's going to be important. I think from a Mr. Koya perspective, it's about supporting these causes, but not from a side but just looking at this, these situations and thinking, well, how can we create something that brings people together and also raises awareness? That's, that's basically what your, your, the, the shirt actually did, the, the Mahalas Koma shirt. It, it took the, for lack of a better word, the incompetency of uh, Morrison and just gave it back to the people in the form of, of a funny shirt. Yeah, I mean, like when you sort of think about it, what was he doing in Hawaii? <laughs> you know, like, I can't imagine what he was getting up to. Was can't just- deal with this. I'm out of here. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think for me as well, personally, one of the things I love the most about that shirt is that it wasn't really a kind of a fuck you to anybody in particular. It was more just, you know, it's a Hawaiian shirt, you know, has a Scott Morrison's face on it. She looks good, right? It looks good. I could imagine he'd appreciate it, to be honest. I mean, it's like how many people get to have their... <laughs> face on a shirt all over a shirt that's it and have 
immortalized in the National Library too. Yeah, that's it. That? That's yeah. it. With thousands of people walking around yeah. wearing your face on a shirt, you can't be uh, that displeased about it. No. Like, I mean, it's 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 one of those sort of situations where I think he's got he's got a few moments in his mythology, Scott Morrison, that are kind of etched in there, in a way, which a lot of people sort of keep bringing up and everything. <laughs> so I feel you like talk about the uh, the Maccas incident. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny that, and <laughs> I don't think he can as well. No, I, mean, no, I, don't, I don't think anybody's ever had. He's so. actually specifically said that he can't confirm or deny it. I think. Now, I, I want to know, like, how long has been? Uh, how long has Mr. Koya been around? Since 2017, we went live with the website yeah. and our first range of uh, shirts. First so collection. You've been you've been, uh, you've been on board since the beginning, since the inception. Is it? Yes, that's yeah. right. How does it feel now? Does it feel that you accomplish your goal? From when you had that thought in university that I want to, I want to provide something to the world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been exciting in that way. Um, I feel like it's funny. Like you look at a, a shirt, right? And I think as we developed, well, as Mister Koya developed us in a sense, it sort of came to the kind of reality that you know a shirt can say a lot. We've all got our favorite shirt, right? We've all got that shirt where you know the the one shirt where you met a girlfriend or a boyfriend or the, the one shirt where um, you had the best night of your life or the best memories or everything. Um, I had a, a red button down shirt, um, which, you know, led to a whole bunch of good nights, met a, met a girlfriend wearing nice. that shirt. And it's just it's a lucky kind shirt. Of memories. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Um, I lost that shirt. <laughs> lost it. Which was devastating, which was one of the worst things ever. But it's funny how like there can actually be a, an emotional connection to something as seemingly basic as a shirt. And I think that's what's been pretty important to us where it's like, you know, how do you create something that can, but also should be timeless as much as possible. I mean, sort of like a manifestation of your feelings of emotion, immortalizing like a, in, an object. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right? Which isn't a bad thing when we start to think about how sort of disposable we're coming, right? You know, why not really value the things we have so that we ultimately have less things? I think that's what we're starting to lose. I and mean, you look at the figures around textiles consumption. Yeah. Well, it's fast fashion, right? Yeah. It's crazy. You've got consumption going up, but actual utilization of what you're buying going way down. So people are just buying more things just for the sake of it. And I think there's a lot of costs to that at the same time. The, you know, the rushed production, the pressure on factories and workers overseas, the, obviously the chemicals, the amount of water that gets put into. So and, all your shirts are 100% cotton? No, all of them are now. Tensile? Tensile. 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 Yeah. Tensile. What, what sort of material is it? It's like a sustainable botanic fiber that mm. feels, um, I'll actually bring one of them out later. Oh so yeah, that sure. you can, um, Definitely you feel can it. touch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's sort of silky and a, kind of textured, smoother feeling, breathable, but it doesn't have the same synthetic elements as some like of the materials out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, it moves away from the polyester or the rayon um, and some of those fibers to something that's a little bit more smoother, but much more sustainable. So it's not synth- it's synthetic, right? It's No. No. It's, no. W- what's the source of it? I tell you, ah, trade secret, <laughs> trade secret, trade secret. But it, it, I guess it has all the, um, 
benefits of, of a cotton shirt, right? The breathability. Yes, absolutely. Um, I guess it's light. Yeah, yeah, it's lighter. I think that's really important. But also just the fact that the process for putting it together uses a closed loop process, which means that the water and materials that are used in the production are recycled in an extent that everything is ultimately measured, whereas some of the the other sort of mainstream fibers out there are put together with no regard to what's being yeah, so it's, it's, it's less impact on the environment, which is just good. Yeah, a lot less impact. And I think, you know, in terms of what we wear and what we care about, having that connection with, you know, your favorite shirt, your favorite set of pants, your favorite hat, like whatever you want, right? It's maybe not a bad thing if, if we think about what that means. So Mr. Koya doesn't have one creative style. So, so you look at our shirts and each shirt is developed and designed by a unique artist so there's not one central theme right like everything needs to be bold have personality be character driven and designed so that it's something that is timeless that is something you pass on that's durable that lasts so each design has its own story absolutely and that's really important because it means that we can work with more artists Mm. to develop things Um, we can support the industry more as well and we can design things that are entirely unique on, on on your point about sustainability i think everyone here has been guilty of buying a shirt for one occasion you know whether it's a i uh, know i have i i definitely have multiple christmas parties mm. those shirts i'll never wear again <laughs> is that because the memories from the christmas party uh, <laughs> oh, what, what memories <laughs> <laughs> oh they, they were most of them were trash that night but um yeah i mean i, I think I, I watched a a documentary not not too long ago sort of going over the some of the practices in less developed countries like how they sort of churn out all these um, shirts and designs for the really big players. And it's all just to feed this, um, this machine of fast retailing or fast fashion where people just buy a shirt, maybe wear it a couple of times and then just, just move on from it. And I think that's, I think it's really, um, it's really great that, you know, Mr. Koi have, has a similar sort of mindset of creating a shirt that's you can wear time and time again. And the quality is there to support that. Yeah, no, really, really appreciate that. I mean, the the Mahalo Skoma and a range of other shirts we've launched as well as part of collaborations. Um, With your partners that you have on on, on your website, like the, um, for example, like Defective Records, Plant Broadcasting and so on. Yeah, yeah. So in, in some of those scenarios, as with the Mahalo Skoma, we didn't launch it as available now. So a lot of the shirts on our website, they're currently available now. So you order them, you get them, you know, between three to five days. But in these pre-order instances, and especially with the Mahalo Skoma, you know, from a reality perspective, we had the design out there and the, the concept was there and we would produce the shirts once they were ordered. And that's what we've done in the past as well in certain circumstances. And I think that's a really interesting model for us. And it's something um, Mr. Koy is looking at pretty closely, right? Where you produce something only after people order it does that does that drive your cost up there like uh, having uh, having shirts produced on an order basis well it means that you're not producing thousands and thousands yeah. of prints yeah. to really reduce your your cost of creating right so you're you're paying for it a little bit there but at the same time like you look at the industry right and you look at some big players where it's just let's just produce as much as possible yeah. a ridiculous amount of items and then 
let's just get it out there and see how many we can sell. And then it's like, okay, this many have been sold. Now let's, um, let's discount like crazy ah, just to get it out there. Right. And then right. it's like, okay, we've discounted completely. And now we still have some excess stock. What do we do? Well, in some cases you hear reports of companies just burning stock. Wow. That's the most efficient thing to do. In some cases, sometimes you hear them just That's sort insane. of sending it to other countries as donations, which ultimately hurt developing countries in their own textile yeah. industries as well. Right. That's crazy. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know they would like burn the stock like that. Yeah. It's a, it's occurred in some cases. I'm not saying everyone does that, but yeah, it's, yeah. you'd no, be amazed for it to even happen. Ones. That's, that's insanity. Yeah. You know, I've definitely seen, um, you know, video of scrap or, you know, unused stock that's just left in warehouses and, and nothing ever gets done with it because it's just waste. Nobody can really use it. It's just there. So I guess, you know, the, the model that you're going with is really cutting down on any sort of excess stock or any sort of excess waste whatsoever. Absolutely. And I think it's definitely a, a transition and it definitely takes time, but that's, that's sort of like the kind of paradise in terms of where you want to get to, right? And it's, it's a journey because, you know, you've got people purchasing on big e-commerce stores and starting to expect you know, drone same day delivery, right? Like that's what we're talking about. That, that's what's becoming more Guilty. and more interesting. Guilty here. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of cool when you think about yeah. it. But at the same time, you know, is there, is there an approach for at least certain things where we maybe wait a little bit longer so that we don't get it right away? Um, it almost makes it, you know, worth waiting for. Yeah. You yeah. have to wait for it. Maybe we start valuing things a little bit more. Um, so it's a tricky thing, right? Because, you know, we all, we all want stuff fast. Um, we want it now. And, and that's okay. And there's certain situations where that makes a lot of sense. But I think there's value in looking over time to an approach where we're creating something special, something timeless, something that'll be passed on and something that's been made for you exclusively. And you know that I think the more we can move to that sort of model, um, you know, the more interesting I think the things we create become, even from the perspective of, okay, well, what is the life of something like a shirt? You know, what can we do to repair garments if there's a rip rather than just throw it away? What can we do to reuse a garment? You know, somebody's moving to somewhere in the world where they're not going to be wearing a long sleeve anymore, then maybe is there a way that they can sort of modify it? Actually, didn't even think of that. Is there a way to modify it or... Is there a way to, you know, donate it so that somebody else can it's wear it and uh, be passed on? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting model that you guys are, you know, working towards getting to. I guess the question is, are you, do you think you guys would be competing with the fast retailers? You know, the Amazons, the Uniglo's? Yeah, I'd say so, definitely. I think it's, it also comes down to a different mindset. We want to create your favorite shirt, the shirt that really speaks to you. And you wear this shirt and, you know, you're going to have a good time. You know, it's either the shirt that gets you some more looks. It's the shirt that gets you more, you know, greater times. It's the shirt that almost energizes you in a way. I think that's what we want to encompass, right? And I think when people have that and they have, you know, they get like an energy from something they wear, that's valuable. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, you look at women, right? Women are actually really good at this. They they know how to sort of dress to be in the mood they want to be. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to wear this color. I actually never thought of that. 
They're they're a lot better than men at that. It's crazy. They sort of get that like, you know, we, we wrote a piece on this where good vibes are, are kind of like a style habit. You can dress for the day you want to have in a way. It's the same way I'm, I certainly don't do this as much as I should, but the same way you might make your bed in the morning to kind of start the day with the right mindset. It's the same sort of thing. You dress in a way that kind of speaks to you and maybe pushes you out there or pushes you into a mindset that matters to you, that's authentic to you. And you do that and then you have like, you try to have or you try to live the life you want if it's real to you. I mean, it's got to feel authentic at the end of the day, but if it feels real to you, then it's like, there's no better feeling. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to. So for us, it's not really about just mass producing items that, you know, might may or may not sell the most, or it's not just about moving as much stock as possible. It's about creating something that makes you live the life you want to live. So I think that that's one of the key differences between us and the approach, which is maybe a little bit more economic of some of the bigger guys. And it's like power to them. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they've grown to the point where you're starting to hopefully see them pay a bit more attention to issues like sustainability and being a little bit more conscious about what capitalism means in society. Um, so that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's a question of who's being real and who's really sort of pushing the boundaries of what they can do to really shake up the industry in a positive way. Now, I, I can see the passion that's coming out of you when you talk about ethics and, um, and, and whatnot, right? Like all these social issues. You found that outlet to express yourself in, in, this, in, this, in this situation through selling shirts, through your company, Miss Koya. Did you envision back, back when you first started in, in business, did you envision yourself getting into, into, shirt, uh, into the shirt business? So I never would say that it was shirts specifically that I was thinking about in high school, but it's kind of like one of those things where, where the solution's kind of right under your nose the whole time. And you realize that this is important to me. I, I wear something and it matters. I'm, I'm telling something to the world. I'm making a statement. So in the example of the Mahalo Skoma, right? It's a statement piece. You're, you're using what you wear to tell the world a story. People look at you and they think something, um, whether that's positive, negative, supportive, this or that. You're going out there and you're saying something. We um we we actually had like a bit of a we've done a bit of a piece around the male burqa. Oh, so I male burqa. Tell, tell me a bit about that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of this no, concept. No, a little bit controversial, but I have black shirts, right? But when you kind of look at like a, a typical sort of black shirt and you look at the commentary around burkas, right? Hmm. And the whole idea in terms of, you know, it's very conservative and everything. It's you're, you're kind of hiding from society. You're kind of making a statement that says, I don't want to be noticed in a way. Hmm. You're also hiding fat as well because the black is slimming, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the main reason they wear burkas. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I, I think the male burqa for us is... Well, it's the black shirt, the typical black shirt, which you kind of see the, the black tee a lot of people are wearing, right? And again, I've, I wear them before and I, here and there. Why not? But it's one of those things where when I wear it, I know that I'm kind of not wanting to make as much of a statement. I'm kind of wanting to blend in rather than stand out, which is fine as well. 
that's cool. But you're definitely not calling attention to yourself when you're wearing it. It's conservative, shirt. right? So it's yeah. conservative. So, um, yeah, we talked about that. We talked about, you know, maybe girlfriends kind of getting their guys to wear black t-shirts so that they sort of blend in and they don't stick up <laughs> others or anything like that. So nobody notices them. You know, you could imagine it as one of those conservative yeah. things, you yeah. know, and people want to wear that. That's power to them. But yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those elements which kind of shows that, you know, what kind of statement are you making to the world? Right, right, right. So you would say that the medium sort of just fell in, into your lap, right? In terms of shirt, in the shirt business, in e-commerce specifically, because you guys don't have a physical store; it's mainly on on online, right? Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. We work with some retailers who okay. who stock the shirt, um, but for the most part, I think going which, online. Which retailers are they? Uh, we're working with Fine Fellow in Darlinghurst. I think the online channel gives us a little bit more control as well. Right which is important where we can really make the experience as special as possible. And that's important, you know, not only from being on top of the kind of, you know, the amounts of shirts that we're creating, mm-hmm. um, but making the experience as unique as possible each time. And I think, you know, people love the emails we get, or sorry, the emails we send. I think we got an email from somebody the other day just replying to one of our fulfillment emails saying, yeah. you know, your emails are like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I that's, mean, that's that's something that I definitely notice going through your site. There's a um, the there's, there's a yeah. very cheeky language, yeah. you know, language to it. Mr. Corey's out of control. Yeah. Like, we can't control him. Can you can you forward like the uh, the co-founder? Can you guys control him in any ways at all? Not really. He's just he's just. You, not must, there. you must be stressed all the time trying to control the guy. It's ridiculous. We don't know where it is, what it is, where it could be right now. I think it's it's sort of just capturing that part of all of us though i think that's an important aspect to it where it's like you know what you see is is a little bit of you you know and you and it's just that's what mr Corey is kind of about it's not necessarily about aspiring to be anything other that than what's already inside you and i think that's that's how we've approached it i do like that you know virtually every every piece of content on your site is has that little touch to it whereas you go to any other site you know a lot of stuff is copy and pasted you know about us that's kind of there's, copy there's and pasted. a lot of creative creativity going on yeah that's 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 amazing have you met the fact master 3000 <laughs> uh i think i've read a few of those questions and answers on there that's our customer service robot i don't know if you've seen him <laughs> no no i, I, I he, personally haven't he looks like he's in a little bit of a sorry state is he a different entity to mr koya or are they one and the same he serves mr koya okay. for sure right a subordinate uh, a servant well, he was created by Mr. Koya okay, as, right. to serve him as a, as a servant, ultimately. Mm. Um, obviously, he supports the customer service aspect mm-hmm. of the business and everything. You take a look at him, though, and yeah, he's, he doesn't look to be in the greatest state. He's kind of like a sort of cyborg robot that's been developed. But at the same time, I think he's gone through a lot of partying. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's also out he's there. Yeah, he's he's ascension. Like, does like, he think on his own? Yeah. Does he? He does. He he also enjoys a lot of substances. And oh, okay. He, yeah. But he knows how to party hard. He knows how to party that hard. That might be the stress of working with Mr. Koya, <laughs> going back to uh, the right. drama of not knowing what to expect. Right, right. And being a bit worried about that. How about that? Is he is he um, ever under the influence when he's on the clock? 
on the page you can see his bloodshot eyes. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I'm not going to say what it is, but there's. Something. I mean, that was his best shot. I mean, you couldn't terrible. find a better picture of him. He's permanently in that state. Oh. Really. <laughs> I haven't seen him looking better than that ever. I'm sure he's dehydrated. If robots can be dehydrated, he's not doing well. There's something coming out of his mouth as well, which mm. like lacking a bit of oil there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he needs uh, he needs a touch up at the very least. But we like him that way. Mm. You know, he's being him. Um, yeah, actually, w- one thing I want to know, because this is something that Bron and I actually discuss a lot, is the whole working with partners. When, like, when you, when you got into it, like, was there anything that, uh, that you learned or is there anything that, that you, you wish you knew before entering, like, a partnership? Yeah, so I, th- I think when you're working with partners, the most important thing is that you need to have the same values it's impossible to have exactly the same values but i think you need to be aligned in a lot of ways um and i'm sure you guys find this right where core beliefs are similar and you guys you know you you give a shit about the same stuff you're passionate about the same stuff right because at the end of the day when you can combine that energy that's just valuable from a long-term perspective that's what gets you through the long nights and the difficult situations and it also makes the highs super fun and the lows a lot more manageable, right? Because you're, you're a much more sort of effective team. If you don't have that kind of unity, then I imagine it gets a little bit lame mm. in a way. Were you, uh, were you mates with your co-founders, the three co-founders that, that work with at Mr. Koya with you? Yeah, so I worked with Omar um, in uh, like funds management and we were, um, this is where we sort of came up with the idea. So he was actually my boss at the time. Yeah. And then we kind of just came up with the idea, sort of thought about it, cultivated it. And then it was his wife, Ali, who joined us eventually. And she's been like the engine room in terms of just really pushing things forward. Um, and, you know, just really helping with the operational side, the technology side, just being a gun around a lot of that. Did she have a background in, in this or was it just sort of learning on the job? There's an element of it being very fresh to us where a lot of it's been particularly exciting because we're approaching it as fast fashion kind of outsiders in a way, very much anti-fast fashion. And we're approaching it from just new eyes of wanting to create something that kind of doesn't exist at all. And that's been really fun because it's like, okay, what's everyone doing? Let's not do that. And what do we want to do? You know, what do we sort of really care about? Going back to the values aspect. But I think what's really important as well is having like complementary skills at the same time. That's, um, that's always going to be important to sort of back each other up. It's great to have the same skills and obviously there's plenty of overlap, but I think when you can kind of cover each other's bases as well, um, that's really important. Sounds like you guys have a lot of chemistry going on in the, uh, in, at Mr. Koya. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, it's, uh, it's a great team. We have a lot of fun. So, you know, Mr. Koya has been around for three years now, 2017. What are some of the sort of key learnings that you've picked up over, you know, being in the fashion industry, working in a team and sort of being almost your own boss in a way? I think you just have to do it. And I know that sounds really straightforward, but I think there's always like an urge to procrastinate, think about what could go wrong, almost play chess in your mind around how each scenario can sort of play out. We definitely did that with this podcast for a long time. It's important to an extent, right? But then eventually you just went for it. Yeah. You know, you just sort of leaped in. I think that's really important. 
and it's like Ron said, like we just have to put uh, put an MVP out there, minimal viable product. Like even though it's not like a refined product, but it's something that we can refine over time. How much planning, um, you know, between your first conversation about Mr. Koya to sort of starting Mr. Koya? Was it a six-month process? Was it a couple-year of process? Yeah, good question. I'd say somewhere between the six-month to a year mark. Hmm. So there was a fair bit of thinking involved in yeah, but I mean, like, what is thinking, right? Like, what, what occurs during that time? It's important to make sure that, like, thinking has huge value itself, right? But that thinking should be put into material. That thinking process should also result in, like, output, right? Um, you know, are you putting together papers which lay out some of your strategy? Are you putting together analysis of the industry and what's wrong with it? How can you improve things? Are you laying out almost like a little bit of a sort of um, uh, manifesto of what you sort of care about and why you're doing what you do? So that thinking process should be part of the journey at the end of the day. And I think as you do that and as you convert that thinking into actual action by creating these little bits of output, eventually it's like a wave. Like you start doing the right thing from all these different angles and then suddenly it's like, okay, the ideas are there, the thinking's there, the research is there. I know who to talk to. I'm also, you know, creating our first social media page. I'm working on what we want to do. I'm talking with, you know, product development advisors. I'm working on launching the website and everything. I think as long as everything you do links to where you want to get to and and you can feel yourself moving forward, then that's fine. And you might find that in a lot of cases, people think and then realize that what they want to do is suddenly over on this side which really changes the game in a positive way. That's right, yeah. It's just putting that foot forward. That's all yeah, you need to yeah, do, Yeah, right? one step at a time. Even if they're just small incremental steps, it's like, whatever, just do it. You know, starting podcasts, starting a business, it's not, it's not always um, on the up and up. Was it, were there difficult times for, you know, yourself and Mr. Coyer as well? Yeah, I'd say, you know, there's always an up and down element, no matter what you're doing. It's kind of like trying to reach perfection. You know, you do it incrementally and you, you get closer and closer, but there's always going to be a better way to do it. But as long as you're being real and you're moving in that direction, then that's what you have to do. And I think it's about being honest with yourself and sort of thinking, am I moving towards where I want to move to at a pace that stands by the values that I care about and what it really means to me? It's a good answer. Yeah, I like it. I, I like do my it. best. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one one more question before um uh, before Fung might have like one question left. But um, yeah. no so quick fire questions. Quick fire question: Is is there someone or like a brand that sort of motivates you or that inspires you? I like the Batuta Advocate. What they do is really cool. That's also. a satirical thing, is it? Yeah, and the way they've actually like the funny thing is they actually speak on important things, but they do it in a way that's just gold and super engaging and accessible and that's good like they're they're still informing people they're still news um but at the same time they're 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 just approaching it in a completely different way i think that's pretty cool patagonia is also a, a cool brand um you know i like a lot of what they do get a lot of inspiration from them in terms of different. design or in terms of their model or just the, the values, you know, that underpin the entire business. I think that's, it's really good to see them lead the way in a lot of that. 
And, um, and it's just, it's, it's good to see more and more businesses that clearly wear their heart on their sleeves. And they're, they're such a company, I reckon, that, that really owns what they care about and actually, you know, practically make that difference and make probably in some cases sacrifices to get there, which is really important. And just show that you can do things that way and still create an amazing business that a lot of people care about. Good. I like that. I guess I got two f- quick fire questions for you. I see that uh, you got a nice collection of books over there. Yeah, I try. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read any of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, and no, I was going to ask, uh, do you recommend any books right now? Um, Ray Dalio. I like him. Principles. I think the way he sort of looks at things is uh, pretty interesting. Um, his company, Bridgewater Associates, they have like a, a really cool sort of transparency approach where I think everyone's, you know, incentivized to be real to be like super authentic and down to earth about their successes and their failures and i think that's really cool there's the uh this book ishmael i have i read that a while ago i should read that again um i heard ages ago that pearl jam read it or something and they said it was really cool i forget but i just read that somewhere and i was like all right this is interesting because it's actually a pretty sort of ethical book in an engaging way and that that mix was kind of weird to me it was like okay pearl jam and this sort of story but it's it's like a story about a gorilla who i hope i'm getting this right it's been a while but a gorilla who meets a man and they have a conversation and the gorilla sort of tells him about how things have gone almost like the evolution of man to the point where we're just wasting so much of the world's resources and we've lost the care about what we do almost going from that perspective of back to when we were nomads and we kind of just used to take what we needed and that was it to the point of you know agricultural revolution stockpiling surpluses to where we're at now right excess Uh, yeah and a gorilla tells me this to me that sounds like a good trip (laughs) (laughs) definitely trip it out there's also a book there that's um it's uh i wrote it when i was nine years old in school yeah. yeah wow i got a thumbs up for it <laughs> there's, a, there's a sticker in the end it's, it's about me playing for the brazilian soccer team somehow wow and is there an audiobook version of that there should be i wish i did that like a nine-year-old me just reading it <laughs> would have been the best all right so w- one more question what's uh, piquing your curiosity right now uh, recently but to be honest like always the u.s election yeah it's just it's i think it's fascinating how we're at 2020 now so five years ago right donald trump had the worst approval ratings of anyone he was less popular he was more unpopular than vladimir putin was in america it was ridiculous you know and like across the aisle so to go from that to becoming incredibly popular amongst republicans and you know uh, i guess a lot of independence as well pretty crazy um so i think it's for me it's kind of like not exactly what moves people, but what really matters. And I think what matters to us as a society is kind of changing. But to get to the point of your question, what really piques my curiosity is what's universal to us, I think. Because it's kind of like you look at these people all over the place, different sides of the political aisle, increasing polarization and everything. But what's curious to me, and I sort of intuitively feel, but I can't pinpoint what it is, is that there's a universality amongst people on either side. There's something that sort of brings them together, no matter who they are. 
So I think that's going to be really important as we head into the rest of the century and everything. And, you know, there's a whole bunch going on. Machines taking over our jobs. It's definitely a hard thing to pinpoint. Yeah, yeah. One thing that everyone sort of agrees on, you know, things like climate change. Not everyone agrees on that. Things like um, immigration. No, you know, almost nobody agrees on that. So I think it's definitely, it's like everyone's sort of on a quest to find what that is. Because if you find what that is, you're going to win every election. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you can maybe bring people together, you know, in a way where it's like, we actually don't, we, we, we agree on the same things here. We don't need to be enemies in a way. It's almost, uh, it's almost sad that sometimes it has to be uh, like a, na- a natural disaster or something for everyone to come together. It shouldn't really have to come to that for for everyone to put their differences aside to come together to for a good cause. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. That's that's the case sometimes where only the the worst that can possibly happen, it's the best out of all of us. Anyways, I, I want to thank you, Yama. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it was a really good conversation that we had uh, talking about Mr. Koya. We st- I still don't know who he is or what is, where he is. I don't think like, we'll ever know. That's a mystery. Hopefully the next podcast, he'll, uh, he'll be able to join you guys at some point. I'll, um, yeah. I'll try to text him. He never really responds to me, but <laughs> maybe uh, we'll see how we go. Uh, he's a little robot helper. Maybe he'll... <laughs> I don't know. That guy's just, he's in another planet right uh, now. <laughs> yeah. He's not doing so well. He's still coming down. He's been coming down for the last 30 years. <laughs> but he does well. He does his job. He does well. Um, so is there anything you want to, you know, wrap it up with? Any Anything you want to say to our listeners, whether it's from your perspective or from Mr. Coy's perspective? I think Mr. Coy is just really excited about what's uh, what's coming up next in 2020. And we'll be looking for more and more ways to support following the bushfires and everything, because obviously it's been a great privilege to have made a difference at this time and see how we can keep supporting. Um, and at the same time, you know, it's all about that grassroots aspect of things. So from my perspective, we're always open to ideas and ways of collaborating and, and working with people. So be part of the journey. Join us. Stay in touch. I remember when you sent me the uh, Facebook request many years ago for Mr. Coyle. I've been following the journey ever since, and <laughs> I'm really excited to, you know, see what else is um, going to come out of uh, Mr. Coyle's brain. Watch out. We'll see what happens. Could be dangerous. Could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this, this week's episode with Yemma Akba, one of the founders of Mr. Koya. But before we leave you, we do have like three key learnings that Ron's going to impart onto you that we should consider if you are going to get into this sort of business? I think the first point for me is the humor that they um, really bring out in their website, in their designs, and just the whole demeanor that he he brings. I think humor is um, something that we sorely need in today's climates. And the other thing, the other two things are, are ethics. Having a very, very um, strong set of principles is super important and also sustainability and we're talking about raw materials we're talking about um business that can be sustained over time and certainly these these three things are are sort of the key principles that he seems to have when when he started uh mr koya with um you know three other people and i think that having keep having these key principles is, is is really the most important thing a lot of people start businesses or start companies and um they have a good idea but they might be lacking in sort of the key 
principles or core and, principles. Uh, so, so basically those key principles, as you mentioned, is a way to, you know, connect with the customers that, uh, that Mr. Koya is selling to. And I find that you're quite right in the sense that humor, they, if you check out their Factmaster 3000, you know, so if if you notice in the, in the episode how he talked about Mr. Koya as, as its own entity, right? So that he himself, I'm talking about Yema, is working for Mr. Koya and Mr. Koya is, is an elusive inter-entity that provides a sort of humor to Mr. Koya, the, the Mr. Koya website. But anyways, thank you, thank you guys so much for listening. Look, if you guys listen on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, not iTunes, like Spotify or any other podcast platforms, please consider give us a, a five-star review, right? No, we'll, don't consider. Just... Leave us a five-star review and leave a comment as well. Do it. We'll really, really appreciate it. Um, and ha- how do you find us? Look, you guys can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are, You can find us either, either with the handle at Escape Rope or at The Escape Rope. And look, we would love to hear from you. Give a, leave us a feedback, leave us a conversation, ask us a question. We will, ask, we will answer this question for you on our, ver- on, on, on our podcast, right? And look, how do you support us? You can support us through our Amazon link. There's a lot of things on Amazon which I find humorous. And, you know, if you're taking it to a, um, say, a, uh, a dresser party and you're looking to buy a costume, you get it off Amazon, use our link, and hey, we might get a little bit of a, a, little bit of a kickback from Amazon and that would certainly help us fund this podcast. And the other way is, of course, Patreon. Our lowest tier... It might be our only tier. Uh, only. Our only tier, which is also our top tier, <laughs> uh, is $2 and we're using that for uh, purchasing jokes. No, sorry, a head of lettuce, a head of lettuce, um, which I will hopefully eat and um, be on my way towards 75 kilos. Good stuff, good stuff. Anyways, guys, look, thank you very much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week, rest of your day, wherever you are in the world. Love you guys. See ya. <laughs>